I'm so glad that you're with us today. My name is Kenny. I'm one of the pastors. And thank you so much for taking a few moments to log in and join our online church family because that's what you are. You're our online church family. And as you know, we are going through the book of Colossians. Now, if you're just joining us, I really encourage you to go back and watch last week because there was an introduction to this book called Colossians. It's only four chapters long, and I, I know many of you are reading that as we go through it, and I encourage you to do the same if not. You can find a Bible study plan or just pick up the Bible and read through the book of Colossians. It doesn't take long, and it is packed with truths that we want to anchor our lives to. Um, I, this is such a noisy world that we're living in, is it not? And it's here's the bad news. The noise isn't going to go away. <laughs> like, I don't know about you. I wish there was a, 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 a switch, a button or something to hit that all the noise would just die down. But it just seems like it's ratcheting up even more and more and more. And so that's the bad news. The good news is you and I get the choice of which voice we're going to listen to. And that's why I'm so excited we're going through Colossians together because we're going to dial in to the voice of who Jesus is and dial out the other voices that really drown out his voice. Um, and so when someone asks, well, what's in Colossians? Like what's in Colossians? That's a great question. You can see it right there. Here's a great answer. In Colossians, in Christ. Now, in chapter 1, Paul finishes wrapping up his introductory remarks. He tells them they're doing a great job in their faith. Uh, it gives them some encouraging prayers to pray. Again, we covered all this last week. When you get to verse 15 in Colossians chapter 1, Paul starts painting this beautiful, super clear, powerful picture of who Jesus is. And, and here we just have to be honest. There are times in our own lives, maybe because of how we were brought up, that the picture of who Jesus really is just gets clouded, right? I mean, maybe for you, it really was your upbringing. And maybe for you, you heard some things from your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandfather that you look back on now and you're like, I'm not so sure that I was taught a clear picture of who Jesus is, but, but I have these, these thoughts about him but it's just not clear anymore. Or maybe for you, it was actually the church you grew up in and a denomination that you grew up in. And you look back now and you think, I, I think the denomination just may have put up some blinders on my eyes about who Jesus really is. Because now I think back and I, it just doesn't seem like Jesus. It doesn't sound like Jesus. Maybe for you, it's a painful moment in your life. You know, pain has a way of clouding our view of who Jesus is. Because if he really loved me, why did I get hurt so badly? And pain has a way of creating a picture of Jesus that just isn't true. You know, maybe it's not pain, but maybe for you it's actually shame. And maybe it's shame because of something someone did to you or maybe something you did to yourself or someone else. And what shame does Instead of wanting to see Jesus clearly, we're, we just want to see him out of the corner of our eye, out of the peripheral vision, because we, we think that he, the words he says to us, ah, 
I just don't want to hear those words. I don't want to see the anger on his face. And because of our shame, we have this image of Jesus that just isn't true. Maybe for you, it's just your preferences. Like there's no way Jesus would ever because I don't see Jesus that way. And the way I see Jesus, here's how Jesus would act. Here's what Jesus would say. And it comes down to our preference about who we want Jesus to be. But he's really not that at all. You see, we can all have different reasons of what clouds our vision of having a true clear and powerful picture of who Jesus is. That's why I love what we're going to talk about today because Paul starts writing and as we read and listen and understand, our boundaries come off of what keeps us from knowing who he is to where we can see him clearly as to who Jesus is. So if you have your Bible, we're going to start in verse 15 and let's learn who Jesus really is. In verse 15 of Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says this, Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the visible image. That does not mean he is a copy of or a representation of. It simply means this. Jesus is God. He's God. Period. He's not kind of like God. He's not a moral teacher of God. He's not a scholar sent from God. He is God is who he is. Now, this is amazing when he's saying he is the visible of the image of God, that here's what we can know then. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what God feels in certain situations, you watch Jesus because Jesus is God. And also because Jesus is God, he is bigger than you think he is. (laughs) Whatever you think about Jesus, he's bigger than that. I remember having a seminary professor and we were talking about the bigness of God and the bigness of Jesus, the bigness of the Holy Spirit. And he gave everyone a blank piece of paper, eight and a half by 11. And on that sheet of paper, we were to draw a description of God. Immediately, the paper came down and several people who were artists start drawing and creating. And I remember someone in the room saying, can I have a bigger piece of paper? I thought, no, that's pretty good. Yeah, I need need one, too. It sounded smart. So, yeah, 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 I need a bigger piece of paper, too. And he was like, well, I don't have one. Just use the one you have. There was one guy in the room who didn't draw anything on the page. And he was the one who got the, the, the question right. Because the professor went on to say, as soon as your pen hit the paper, you made God too small. And he said, I could have brought in a bigger piece of paper. However, it doesn't matter how big the paper is. As soon as your pen hits the paper, you have made God too small. He's bigger than any size paper you could put on the table. He's bigger. And here's what this means. Jesus is God, so he is bigger than you think. His love is bigger than you think it is. His grace is bigger than you think it is. His mercy, bigger. His justice, bigger. His arms, bigger. His embrace, bigger. His compassion, bigger. He's just bigger than we think he is. This also means he's bigger than the problem you're going through right now. He's bigger than your anxiety. He's bigger than your depression. 
He's bigger than your issue. He's bigger than your valley. He's way beyond and bigger. And Paul says, if you want to know God, know Jesus because he is God in a bod. Can I add that? Is that all right? He is God. He is 100% man and 100% God. That's the first thing that Paul tells us. The second thing that Paul tells us we find in verse 16 it says this about Jesus. Jesus existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. What Paul teaches about Jesus Jesus is supreme, he's number one. In any draft pick of any sports, he's the first one chosen. He's not only the first one chosen, he's the MVP before the season ever begins. He is supreme number one. He's the head honcho, the big dog on campus, whatever phrase you want to use, he's number one. So if Jesus is supreme, he makes a great king. So follow me on this. If he is supreme number one, he makes a terrible number two. He's supreme. He, he doesn't do well in the back seat. <laughs> now, this is a great promise and a truth for us and an anchor for our life in this moment. Because knowing he's supreme, when he is first and supreme in every area of our life, life just goes a lot easier for us. It, it, it doesn't mean it's hassle-free. It doesn't mean it's pain-free. It doesn't mean it's valley-free. It just means... We have a king who has his eye on us, and he is supreme. Therefore, everything I'm going through, he has an answer for. And when I'm following him as number two, he's number one. Life just works better that way. He is supreme. And then Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it goes, For through him, for through Jesus, God created everything. In the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Watch this last statement. Everything was created by him and for him. Can we say that last line together? Everything was made by him and for him. Now, what did Paul just teach us about Jesus? Jesus is the creator. He created everything. When you read Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created. You will also find the Spirit hovering over the surface of the deep. And then you find the Lord said, God said. God, the Creator, created through Jesus as the Holy Spirit was very present. You find God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What Colossians is telling us is who created it all? Jesus was the creator of it all. God speaking, Jesus creating, the Holy Spirit very present in the entire thing. There's nothing made that Jesus' thumbprint wasn't on, that he wasn't involved with. The word in Genesis is ex nihilo, out of nothing is what it means. That Jesus stepped onto the plateau of nothing when there was nothing and created everything. You see, you might be creative. But you don't do that. <laughs> no one creates. We recreate. 
What we do is we take what is created, a piece of wood, metal, fabric, and we create from something. Jesus created from nothing. How supreme is he now? How amazing is he now? How God is he now? This is what Paul is explaining to us. He is the creator. Jesus is the creator. So he is the purpose for our life. Don't miss this. That's what the very last statement said, right? Everything was created by him and for him. In this one verse, two life questions are answered. What is life all about? And what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, what is this whole thing about? That's a great anchor answer if you can find it. And what is my life about? That's another great anchor for your own life. You find it in this one verse. Everything, you, you were made by him. That's why you're here. Because you were made by him. And you were made for him. There's your purpose for life is for him. And what's beautiful about this is God, the creator, made you and fashioned you and gave you gifts. And so with those special talents and gifts that you have, when you turn them back around to go, wow, 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 you've made me great at accounting, like I'm really good at numbers. So God, I'm going to account and I'm going to do my numbers. I'm going to do digits. I'm going to do calculations for you. Now you take a regular nine to five job that could be so boring. Now you have turned it over to an act of worship back to the one who made you. So now what you do that might seem so mundane has significance to it. Do you see this? If you are a doctor, a teacher, you think, you speak, you do things that God has gifted you to do. You were made by him. Now take those gifts and talents and just turn it back to him as an act of worship. You find what this life is all about, Jesus, and what is your life all about, Jesus, and your life then finds purpose. Paul goes on and he says in verse 17, Colossians 1 17, he existed, Jesus existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. He didn't just make creation. He didn't just create creation. He holds it together. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he holds it all, the universe, in the span of his hand. Scripture also says that the waters of the earth he holds in the hollow of his hand. How big is Jesus? Bigger than we think he is. And what this verse tells us and what we learn about Jesus, Jesus is the sustainer. He didn't just create it. He sustains it all and holds it together. Um, you know, astronomy has a way of helping us tap into the bigness of God. And that at night, on a clear night, we can go outside and if you just look and it's just like, wow. I mean, it's just amazing. And then with Hubble Telescope, it's just like, like space came to life for us. As a matter of fact, I want you to look at this picture. This is the Whirlpool Galaxy. It is 36 million light years away. It looks like it's sucking in that other galaxy to the top right that you can see there. But that galaxy in the upper right corner is not even close. It is also 
hundreds of light years away, and both of them are home to hundreds of billions of stars. And when you look at the pink areas of the Whirlpool Galaxy, those are star incubators where millions and millions of stars are being created. Now, scientists call the Whirlpool Galaxy, this is their term for it, the Grand Design Galaxy. Hubble Telescope zoomed into the very center of this galaxy that you're looking at because scientists wanted to know what's in the center of this massive galaxy of such a grand design. Here's what Hubble Telescope sent back. <laughs> they call it the X factor. I'm going to call it the cross factor. And you say, oh, it's such a small cross. No, 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 no. That cross that you're looking at is 1,500 trillion miles across. In the center of a grand design, God put a cross. Why? Because it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. And what Paul penned before ever knowing anything about a whirlpool galaxy is that Jesus is the one who holds the entire universe in his creation together. And it's as if God just put it in the sky for us to discover it's always been about Christ. It will always be about Christ and my son and what he has done for humanity. Christ is the sustainer. So here's what I wrote down. Because Jesus is the sustainer, he can be trusted with everything. <laughs> Come on. If you not only created the universe, but you hold the universe together, he can hold you together with whatever you're going through. He can hold your family together. He can hold your marriage together. It is not too big for him. He can hold your kids together. He can hold your friendships together. He can hold your finances together. This king is also creator and a sustainer, and he's God. And he is number one. And when we place what we so value, what we're struggling with, what's precious to us, and we submit it to Him, we find peace because now He takes it in His hands and sustains it and holds it, and we just follow Him. This is what Paul is telling us about who this Jesus is. And then he says in verse 18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning of supreme over all, who rose from the dead. So he is first in everything. There it is again. But one thing that Paul says to us is Jesus is the leader. <laughs> he's the leader and he's a really good leader. And I love that as the leader, when he showed up, he just said one thing to people, follow me. Just two simple words, follow me. I just want you to follow me. But I it's okay. It's about me, not you. So just follow me. And I want you to follow me. Man, as a church family, as a bridge family, this is why we say we want to be Jesus-focused. 
We just want to follow our leader the best we can. No, we won't always get it right. Yes, we're going to stump our toe, but my goodness, he's given us a great manual to know him and a great manual on how to do life with him and to follow him. He is the leader so he can be followed wholeheartedly. Not half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly we can follow him. And in that passage, Paul mentions, and by the way, he overcame death, <laughs> which is really good about our leader because our leader is undefeated. Our leader has never lost a battle. Our leader has never lost a war. So when we line up behind him, we're on the winning team. Oh, it might feel like there are times we are losing in the ring, but I'm just telling you, he wins every single time. He wins. So our leader is worth following because he's a king. He's God. He's creator. And he's a sustainer of all of life, including ours. And that's how Paul wraps this up. Here's what he says in verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, through Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. What's the last thing we learn about Jesus today? Jesus is the Savior. The creation He made turned on Him. And yet this King so loved the people He created, He would come to save and rescue them. And he tells us over and over in so many different ways, it's all about the cross. And to wrap up today, and to emphasize this point, I want you to hear from a great communicator, a worldwide leader in a Jesus movement specifically for college kids, Louis Giglio. He is setting up a story that happened to him while on tour with Chris Tomlin as they did this big concert for a community in Tyler, Texas, and he got finished speaking. They were tearing everything down, and he had a conversation with someone, and I'll let Louie pick it up from here. Watch this. I was on tour with Tomlin. We've been playing cities all over the world. We come down to maybe having one night left in Austin. Next to the, the last night, we're in the Oil Palace in, in Tyler, Texas, and the night ended, and now they're tearing down everything before we load out and get on the buses and go to Austin, but there's no green room at the Oil Palace because the Oil Palace is a dump. They may have renovated it since we were there, but this place was fallen down. It needed to be bulldozed, except that Willie Nelson had played there, and it was like a shrine in Tyler, Texas, and you could tell... He played there still when we got in there that night to do the night that we were doing. The fragrance of Willie was still in the old palace, I think, even that night. And so there's nowhere to be. I'm kind of standing in the corner. I don't really know a lot of people in Tyler. Guy walks up to me. Hey, just want to introduce myself. We start talking. And he says, hey, so the tour ends tomorrow night. What's coming up for you after that? I know you've been on the road for a while. I said, well, I'm going to go home. I'm going to preach two messages on the glory of God in the human body. He goes, oh, that's interesting. Tell me about your message. And I'm like, uh, okay, I wasn't ready to like, give you like, specifics on the spot, but a few things about it, blah, blah, blah. Talked about the human eye, talked about this, talked about that, talked about development, the miracle of, of God creating us in our mother's womb. And we keep, I get to the end, and he's like, oh, that's all great. That's all great. That's really nice. Uh, you, but you're Louis Giglio. What's the left hook at the end of your message? 
I was like, yeah, I don't have the left hook yet. He said, you know, like that big cross that appeared in the indescribable talk at the very end? You got one of those in this one? I'm like, no, not yet. He goes, well, I'm glad we met because your left hook is called laminin. And I'm like, okay, good. What is that? He said, it's a cell adhesion molecule. Like, okay. He said, do you know about protein molecules? And I'm kind of like, mm, no. He says, it's the base molecule. It's like, still don't know. He goes, Louie, they're protein molecules that have amazing functions in the body, and there are billions of them inside your body right now. One of them is a base molecule called laminin. He said, it's the glue of the human body. He said, let me put it down into terms you can understand. Then he really got down on my level. He said, it's like the rebar of the human body. You know, the metal rods they put in the concrete to reinforce it when it hardens? It's like that inside of you. It holds your skin on. It holds your organs and tissue together. It's the glue inside of you that keeps you held together. And I'm like, okay, that sounds amazing. That's my left hook. He goes, that's your left hook. Go Google it. It's like, all right, I'm going to go Google it. If you'll write it down on a piece of paper, <laughs> I'll go Google it. <laughs> He writes down on the back of his card, which lo and behold says that he is a professor of microbiology at Stephen F. Austin University, which is right down the road. He writes down L-A-M-I-N-I-N. I go Google it, and I'm telling you, it took me a while to get to my computer, get online, and Google. And when I did, the search results came back. Two things came up on my search result. The diagram, the molecular structure popped up, and an actual photograph popped up. And when, when the world and I saw those, we were like, oh, my word, this is incredible. The structure is this. Most of you have seen it. That's the, the molecular structure of the cell adhesion molecule called laminin. Nobody doctored that, by the way, because nobody cared about laminin when he told me about laminin. That's just what you get. The real image of it kind of blew me away and will blow all of us away. That's laminin. But hello, I was like blown away that at the end of Colossians, this section that is a cross, the blood of Jesus that gives us peace with God. So I'm held to God spiritually forever by a cross, the cross of Jesus. But my body is held together tonight literally by billions of microscopic crosses that are holding my body and your body together tonight. And immediately my mind went to the end that I have peace through the blood shed on the cross. Then I rewound a little bit and Jesus is before all things and in Jesus, all things hold together. Isn't that amazing? In a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> into your very body, Jesus has placed the cross. He's a savior. He holds you together. He loves you. And if today you, you were awakened to who he is, who he really is, not who you thought he was, but who he really is. And you want him in your life and to surrender, to become number two and let him take over, let him be number one. I want to lead you to doing just that. Would you pray with me right where you are and just tell him, say, Jesus, I've been number one and I don't want that role anymore. And the best way I know how I am making you number one in my life. I surrender everything to you. I acknowledge and confess you are God. 
and I acknowledge and confess, I need you as my Savior. So here's my sin, here's my past, here's my present, and I trust you with my future. Thank you for rescuing me from me today. Thank you for making me your child today. In your name I pray, amen.